The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. Want to know more? This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? All right. Yo. <laughs> Eric is in deep thought tonight. Um, check out the homepage, uh, MightyMarvelGeeks.net, and support our affiliates and our partners at Heroes and Villains. Um, at Heroes and Villains, use the code... Field agents, all one word for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Also, too, check out our web store. Uh, we've got some great merchandise, including the word balloon hats. Can't pitch that enough. Um, so uh, I'm gonna go first story of the night is kind of a uh, kind of a big one. It, it kind of top Toy Fair, in which we are going to have a guest next week from the Pop Insider to discuss Toy Fair with us and uh, talk about all the new Marvel toys. That's next week. Um, but as Toy Fair ended, Lucasfilm had a big announcement. We finally get to know what Project Luminous is. And oh. Project Luminous is Star Wars The High Republic. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out here now so we can get this out of the way. Why did they not wait until April 20th to announce this? Good point. Good point. 
Just saying. Or if they did it, why did they do it at 7 o'clock in the evening their time instead of 4.20 in the afternoon? <laughs> I knew you would get it sooner or later there, bro. <laughs> Well, where where I also think they dropped the ball. Apparently, the High Republic is going to take place 200 years prior to the events of the Phantom Menace. Oh, my God. You know what? I think that's brilliant. I think 420 years would have been slightly better. We're starting uh-huh. point. <laughs> well, if we're going to just keep doing it, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my God, that's hilarious. 200 years is great. Uh, we know originally Knights of the Old Republic started thousand years before um i i'm okay with it i i think there was some discussion what was it the bending off from weiss series was supposed to take place 400 years before their movie trilogy before they bailed and went to netflix Hmm. something like that yeah like that um i personally think 200 years is fine ea games has talked about rebooting knights of the old republic okay put knights of the old republic around 200 to 400 years before and tie it into the high republic no i I want to see more original stuff I really do because, and this is something I know you and I have talked about personally, but a lot of quote-unquote fanboys, I don't know that I can quite use the word fan, they're upset because, oh, Disney took away the expanded universe. Disney didn't do crap other than say, okay, we're your bosses now, and we say we want more movies. Right. right. Make it happen. Well, like, like we've talked about over on Wookiee Radio, even George Lucas has said the expanded universe is not officially canon. Yeah, right. that's why you had umpteen levels of canon back in the day, just just to sort out what takes precedence over this in the event of a contradiction. Correct. So... When Lucasfilm was charged with making more movies, they knew they couldn't they couldn't pull from the expanded universe as it was, because, first of all, anything that you pick is going to contradict something else. Right. And everything that you pick, you're still going to cheese off the fan base because they're going, oh, well, they didn't do it right. Right. So they did pretty much the only thing they could do is say, okay, you know what? We love these stories. Well, most of them anyway. So we're going to put them like the city of Candor. We're going to put them in this big old bottle, set it off to the side. That's a DC reference, by the way. Yes, it is. And if you recognize the city of Candor, congratulations, you're old. So (laughs) you have... These stories that are still good stories in and of themselves. And my particular take on it is if you need these stories to have, you know, some sort of timeline, if you need these stories to be canon to enjoy them, then the problem is with you. I agree. I mean, a good story is a good story, whether it's official or not. Right. Right. I mean, I, I okay. One of my, one of my favorite stories, subplots, whatever you want to call it, is the the well the the X Wing books and the Gray Squadron stuff. And okay. I know, I know that stuff. I know those stories are not can. I know they're not, and yeah. I know that those stories aren't going to see the light of day. And I'm okay with that because it doesn't take away from my enjoyment. I still have the books, and I yeah. can go 
to whenever I want. I mean, the Disney Gestapo did not go around banging on doors saying, give us your Thrawn trilogy books. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, are they so, are they bringing some characters or ideas from the original trilogy into the new canon? Well, obviously, look at, look at Thrawn. Look what they did with Solo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Guys, do you remember when Jason Aaron came on the show? By the way, Jason Aaron came on the show, for those of you who are following along it's at home and didn't know this. Mm-hmm. It's been a while back. It was right after the uh, the Star Wars comic series was announced. Right. Not necessarily announced, but right after it started. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of us, I believe it may have been me, asked him point blank, was how free are you to incorporate elements from the old expanded universe into the new canon going forward. And he and he said, we can pull anything we want, but it has to go by it has to be cleared by the story group. I remember that. And this the story group is something that Lucas should have had from day one. I agree. Of course, Lucas didn't know at the time on day one that all this stuff was going to blow up to where it is now. Right. But I have gone on this tangent here, and I have gone the the scenic route getting to this right here. I want new stuff. There is so many stories out there that can be told that have not been told yet. Right, right. Star Wars is too big to focus on, you know, keeping up with the Skywalkers. Yes, exactly. I, I, mean, I think, well, for me, I think if EA Sports or EA Games does rehash um, Knights of the Old Republic, cool. I want that same style of game. I'm mm-hmm. okay with it being turned into a new story. Mm-hmm. Maybe some new characters, but I wouldn't mind having it as a vehicle to to bring in Darth Revan as potential canon or Darth Darth Malak, mm-hmm. okay. and and help set up the High Republic. The uh, only problem, the only problem is if it's EA, then whatever we get is going to have transactions throughout the wazoo. True. Quite possibly, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, Fallen Jedi, the the uh, the late or the the latest one, was it Fallen Order? Jedi Fallen, Fallen Order. Yeah. yeah, Fallen Order. It didn't have a lot of microtransactions in it. I don't believe it has any microtransactions. Exactly, and that is something that I just find amazing because it is so unlike EA's, EA's policies. You know, all we got to do is go back and look at Battlefront and the right. loot box scandal. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, same thing with Battlefront, too. Yeah. But then again, we we also had those same scenarios with the Marvel games when those were out. Mm-hmm. You want to get ahead and really succeed, you had the loot crates and in and, and the microtransactions. Right. So, um, well, to continue on, the High Republic is set in an era where the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their height, serving and protecting the galaxy. This is a hopeful, optimistic time when the Republic and the Jedi are noble and respected. The multi-year publishing program will be rolled out in phases, with Phase 1 being called Light of the Jedi. This period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap any of the films or series currently planned for production, giving creators and partners space to tell the Star Wars stories in a never-before-explored timeline. 
which I am stoked for. Watching the trailer and pretty much seeing Pablo Hidalgo go, okay, what do you want to do? Floor is yours. Yeah, in a roundabout way, paraphrasing a lot. Um, I thought that was pretty high. Yeah. Um, now, Star Wars: The High Republic, being written by Kevin Scott, who wrote the script for the Dooku audiobook, which is amazing, by the way, uh, will be Marvel Comics' first entry into the new era. The catalyst for all these interconnected stories is that the galaxy was recovering from something known as the Great Disaster. While details are still under wraps, it's an event that brings the Jedi together to try and help with recovery efforts. Uh, the comic book is set on a new space station called Starlight Station, which plays a large role throughout the additional comics and books. Uh, the first books and comics are set to debut at Celebration Anaheim in August of 2020, um, but select titles are available for pre-order now. Now, some of the things that I liked about the book or about the from the trailer is they're talking about this group that's almost like a, a Viking group, and their philosophy is... You may not be able to take it with you, but we're going to take it from you. Love that. And then the last line in the trailer is, what, what is, what in this time period, what's the one thing that the Jedi are going to be scared of? Or, or what scares the Jedi in this time period? Retcons? Fanboys? <laughs> a vocal minority? But it, it will be curious to see what, what is actually coming. Um, I, I'm excited about this. But, well, all right. But we've kind of almost called it in, on a couple of the shows, be it Wookiee Radio or, or Weeby Geeks. We kind of called. It's going to be something that we would like to see it take place pre the current stuff. Mm-hmm. Love to see it tackle Old Republic era or or the time period that's highlighted in Tales, from, uh, Tales of the Jedi, the old Dark Horse series, which you can find. I don't know if you can find that on Marvel Unlimited or not. I, haven't I looked. think you can, actually. Um, well, I mean, they, I know they brought over a lot of the old Dark Horse stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's uh, the Jetty. Yes, it is. There's a good, there's quite a few options. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool. Um, they're talking like the, the main focus group of, um, or the, mo- the, the main group that's the fo- of Jedi's that's the focus of this are almost being deemed um, the equivalent to the Knights of the Roundtable type aspect. All right. See, I would like that. Um, would- so I, I, I think it's going to be cool to see what's going to go down and what's going to happen. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm like, I have to admit, like I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the same boat as Eric. Uh, I remember years and years ago, uh, reading one of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic trades. And I think it blew my mind because it was probably one of the first Star Wars stories that I read that had nothing to do with the Skywalkers. And I loved it. Um, it. It was something fresh. It was something new. It was it was something that gave me a little more insight to the Jedi. I mean, this particular story I seem to remember involved two Jedi who were married, um, and there was there were there was no dealing with a Sith Lord or something. But it was interesting that that whole dynamic was interesting, considering you know the whole thing with Jedi not supposing not supposed to know. 
fall in love or anything like that, but you still maybe had maybe that couple was the was the one that inspired that. Right. And so mean, it's it's almost like you know showing up to work and finding the uh, the weekly safety meeting is about something that you did yesterday. Right. Yes. Well, but we also find out in Clone Wars. Uh, here, here's Obi Wan preaching. You cannot have a relationship, but then we find out he had a relationship. No. I mean, it's nature. Well, it's sort of like if you think about if you go back to the old Kung Fu series. Apparently, the entire line of canes. Uh, I, I don't know if the Shaolin took uh, take us uh, a vow of celibacy, but the whole line of canes. Apparently, they didn't do it because. You end up with you end up getting the great grandson uh, in Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. So I'm like, oh, so that whole family just, you know, you know there's got to be some. Got to be some. You know, it's sort of like you know the the um, that was just something. I was like, well, I mean, are they not? I mean, well, how do you get Jedi? But then you know that was pre midichlorian too. So you know. I feel dirty just saying that word, I have to say. You know, I I file those things under the category of I understand why they were introduced. I don't have to like them to understand them. Right. Just because, and I'm just going to rabbit hole here really quick. In the original trilogy, you only had like a handful of Jedi. Right. Right. And it was enough then and there to say the force is strong with this one. Mm -hmm. But then you go back to the prequel trilogy where you've got a bajillion Jedi running around and this force is strong with all of them. So how do you quantify just how strong the force is with Anakin? I mean, it's kind of like, do you say super duper alley ooper strong? No, you don't. You have to come up with a... Yeah, it, it to to coin the Dragon Ball, it's over nine thousand. Yeah, <laughs> but this one's stronger because he goes to eleven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is Jedi Tap, <laughs> <laughs> and there's my suggestion for the show title, <laughs> the issue title. Yes, we have issues. Jedi Tap. Jedi Tap or Spinal Jedi. This is Jedi Tap. I said, this is Jedi Tap. Cause right now, right now I'm picturing a little Anakin running around, and there's like a Jedi version of um, Stonehenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but at uh, least with little Anakin, Stonehenge is actually kind of in scale. That's that's true. That is true. Oh my. Well, I, and I here's something else, and all right, this is kind of going off of the out of the marvel world but star trek one of the things that made star trek even more relevant was when they realized not everything had to center around the enterprise or kirk you know think about it ds9 just blew everybody out the water because it was a star trek series it was very much a star trek series but had nothing to do with the enterprise nothing to do with any iteration, you know, and then you get Voyager and then all of a sudden they're like, what, what can we do? Then you kind of had the books that kind of some. So and even now there's stuff that's out there now that is in some ways tied to what we know, but it's still its own thing. 
And like like Eric says, Star Star Wars is too big to be just the Skywalkers. And I I, I I'm glad to finally see this starting to come to fruition. And now I'm not I'm not stuck to I'm not stuck with just watching um, I'm not stuck with watching Rogue One over and over again to get that fix of a Star Wars story that is, you know, maybe remotely tied to the Skywalkers in some way, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I, and I I'm sorry. I I think the original Marvel run of Star Wars did a good job. Yes, you had Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie, but they brought in a lot of other stuff. Like, and I've said this before, my favorite being Valence and Crimson Jack. Mm-hmm. And just, you get, I'm ready to get back to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it, I would love to see – I look forward to seeing new stuff. I would kind of like to see a little bit less focus on Jedi just because after 40-something years, I'm kind of Jedi'd out. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one That's one of the reasons I love The Mandalorian so much because it's not Jedi-centric. Yeah, there's that, yeah. So – I, I mean, we're going to get Jedi. There's there's yeah. no because because Jedi are popular. I get that. But I'd like to see more bounty hunter stuff. I'd love to see more. Well, we're getting a bounty uh, hunters comic series. Well, there you go. See, there, there, there it is. And in the chat is our episode art. <laughs> OK, that's perfect. You guys, are gonna I'm not even going to ask where you found this. <laughs> MTV2 many moons ago did, oh, yes! did a show where they took games and songs and mashed them together. Yes, they did. I remember that. And this was Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out. Mash was Star Wars Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the name of that show was, but I used to watch it all the time. It was on tail, it was the, the tail end of MTV playing music videos, although, because even MTV2 doesn't play music videos anymore. Yeah. You have to go to MTV Classic now for, yeah. for music videos, because, you know. Yeah, but they had Padme, they had uh, Leia, and I forgot who else as background singers and dancers on a platform. To this, if you're listening to this via iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, wherever you can download the podcast version, you're already seeing what we're just seeing now. Yes. Yeah. So um, to continue with comic news, since we the High Republic is the new Star Wars comic coming, um, Marvel reveals a way for the X-Men who lost their powers to get them back. So it's a new day for the X-Men, and life has taken on brand new forms as mutants reclaim their powers. Uh, X-Men number seven lays out ways that these depowered individuals can get back their abilities. The entire nation of Krakoa is getting used to the new normal. That includes Cyclops, who begins the issue talking to Wolverine about the change that's taken place over the last couple months. Um, the grizzled mutant makes a joke about some of the more petty questions being lobbed at him. And he tells the former X-Men leader that maybe he should go talk to a priest. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what Scott Summers sets out to do. Upon reaching and it's Father Wagner, Father Wagner, upon reaching mm-hmm. Nightcrawler's new perch, the two begin to discuss the ethics of how mutants will go about getting their powers back. <coughs> 
Uh, apparently, this is an issue that has already, I guess it dropped this week. I totally have not read any of these. I, I like to give Mike my hot takes when, when he tells me this stuff. But I, I'm just going to say this this is not huge spoiler stuff because they have played off the the Kurt wants to be a priest stuff for like literal decades now. Yeah. Right. right. Well, to continue on with that, um, the next story is Nightcrawler wants to turn the X-Men into a religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, happens in X-Men number seven. Um, that Nightcrawler, uh, that they decide to tangle with his spiritual feelings about the team. Uh, way back in 1991, in X-Men 103, the mutant was a priest that had that has had been a, and that has been a character trait writers have used to tackle Kurt. Uh, Hickman obviously has taken that wrinkle and is using it to explore some deep questions that surround the existence of mutants. It has led to some heartfelt moments, like one between Wolverine and Nightcrawler out in space during House of X, Powers of X. Um, this issue has faith as a forward and some mentions of the powers of five as well. Um, by combining their mutant powers, the five have given the X-Men and the Krakoan people a miraculous opportunity to be reborn after death. But nothing so incredible comes without a cost. So, so far, thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it. I could see it being in keeping with who Kurt is as a as a character um but you know the thing is i mean i i don't know i'm curious to see how where would they take that to you know right i'm leery as well i'm with kylan on this it, it, this could easily go down a road that really shouldn't be traveled okay i agree with that you know it would and, and i'm and I, I, I would say not necessarily from a, not from a spiritual perspective, but more from, this could almost become a, like a, almost like a, how would you put, a, like putting mutants above humans, especially if you decide to make it a religion, you know they're chosen. It can almost move into cult territory. Yeah, and I, it, I can't see. I can't see Kurt doing that, but at the same time, I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah, it, it's possible, and it's not that I'm opposed to the idea in and of itself. What worries me is it, it depends on the writer. Yes, if you have a writer who is very good at subtlety. Mm-hmm. Who who can walk that line without can can push not necessarily push the envelope but maybe get to the sticky part a little yes then this could work but if you get somebody who is very ham handed with it mm-hmm. and, and puts a very heavy handed treatment on it and injects it full of their own personal biases right uh, this this could get messy pretty quick yeah yeah i mean it's daring and you know i i i i like that idea i like that idea of it but it's yeah i'm it it it, it, it can be it it can get choppy very easily you know very easily um yeah. 
to me, this whole thing comes across as they're actually going to make um, the X-Men, yeah, a religion, I think is the, the safe way they're putting it. But it's almost coming across as this particular group's going to be almost a cult. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm concerned about. I mean, you want to make, you want to make Nightcrawler the ex-pope, you know, that's one thing. And they kind of have toyed with that idea of like, you know, mutants as a cult in the past. Yes. Because you have, especially um, what comes to mind is like Magneto's acolytes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That, it, it's not uncharted territory. I just think it's territory that can go south pretty easy if you don't treat it just right. 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 I, I think this is the wrong direction to be going, though. But that's what they decided to do. Well, they didn't ask us, did they? No. I mean, I I hope it works out. Yeah. I mean, don't don't if you're listening to this, don't get us wrong. At no point in time are we cheering for things to fail. No. Are we because we we are fans of Marvel first and foremost. We don't go around hating on them just specifically it's like well, that'll teach them to do that, so and so. Right. Mm-hmm. It's we just kind of like it's. It's almost like you wanna you wanna pull the the suits at the top aside and just go, hey, you might want to rethink this. Yep. But I, I will say that, and I just thought about this. Now, the the other side of that is we've we've never seen Kurt go dark either. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we oh. have. Well, not not Kurt Kurt. Right. But we have seen plenty of alternative Kurts. Right. Like what uh, the specific one that comes to my mind right now is the Nazi version of Kurt from Excalibur. Ah, right. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Where you had like Holtman Deutschland or Holtman England. Yeah. yeah. And Nightcrawler was just, I mean, he was, he was almost like the artist formerly known as Prince at times. Mm-hmm. I just kind of had that, I don't want to say foppish, but foppish look. Yes. And he was he was about as dark as day is long. That is true. Okay. So, mm-hmm. but but to your point, yes, I don't. And this may be may have been touched on in an issue I just never saw. Right. But I have yet to see the real Kurt Wagner go dark. Right. And that, that is one one of the things I have actually I have loved about that character since the first time I ever read a story with him in it. Right. It's like he looked pretty much like a demon, yeah. but and he so was not. Yeah, his soul was was the exact opposite. And plus, it was almost like you know the soul of an angel, the look of a demon, and the flare of Errol Flynn in his heyday. Yes, yep. and I think that was one. That was like one of the things I loved about him was that you know. Uh... I don't know. I, I it, 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 on on one side, it's a logical progression for them to do this. I I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I get. I can get why, but I don't know. Yeah, it's another metachlorin. Right. You understand the rationale behind it. You just not a hundred percent sure that you like it. Right. Correct. And it's going to bring readers though. Oh, I'm sure it will. And that's a tried and true method of boosting readership is shock things up a little. Two words, Hail Hydra. There you go. Yep. yep. And and it couldn't be said any better than 
which I can't find it. <laughs> right when I need the one that I want, and right now you're not the one that I want. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah. And it grips those wheels then. Then, here we go. Hail Hydra. Uh, we're going to move on. Uh, Anthony Mackie uh, on the Falcon and Winter Soldier's MCU Impact. Uh, again, another story coming to us from comicbook.com. Um, unfortunately, Pop Insider, who, like I said, we're going to have a, um, a guest from the Pop Insider next week to talk about Toy Fair. They didn't have any new stories for us to pull from to try to incorporate into the show this week. Um, but getting back to the story from comicbook.com, Anthony Mackie recognizes the pressure uh, that the show is going to bring, promising that they're taking a big swing at the future of the MCU. Mackie says, not all, it is not all daunting to play a vital part in the next phase. Uh, I feel like if we're going to fail, we should fail 100%. Don't fail halfway. But it's been fun. Uh, there's so much stuff going on in the Marvel Universe since Disney has gotten involved. And we have a really supportive team. It's Victoria Alonso and Louis D'Esposito, Kevin Feige, and all the other guys over there. We always have people we could talk to if we feel like stuff isn't going right. So it's been great. We definitely stumbled a few times, but we're running full steam ahead to get these shows done. So hmm. um, right now, as the story goes, Sam Wilson inherited Cap's shield from Steve Rogers in the final moments of Endgame. According to the actor, such a prop may be a common, might be common in upcoming entries to the MCU. Funny thing about the shield training is, I feel like everyone has had shield training. I went to Wanda, I went by WandaVision and there was a random shield. I was like, everyone is getting a shield, is getting shield training now? <laughs> um, Falcon and Winter Soldier is filming on the same lot outside of Atlanta as WandaVision. So. Uh, Mackie is currently also starring in Altered Carbon, uh, in their second season over on Netflix. Nice. So y'all's thoughts on this. <clears throat> that good. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would, I'm trying to picture myself in Mackie's shoes. Okay. Not exactly Mackie's shoes. He may have a smaller foot than mine. But if I were playing a character that has had an impact on the MCU to the degree that Mackie's had, and you know, when we talk about the MCU and, and influential figures in there, of course, we the most of the conversation goes to like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth. But I, I mean, Falcon has been right there, right? Yeah, and I think he has been. He may not be one of the most celebrated members of the Avengers, but you can't tell me that that he's not important. I will say he was definitely one of my favorite Mego action figures I had growing up. I remember that one. Um, was yeah. not a big fan of it, but I wasn't a big fan of the Mego figures anyway because – you know, the Hulk was pretty much just a, a regular guy with a green yeah. locked T-shirt on him. And don't even get me started on the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Man, that was just the, that was just a clothing overlay. Look, look, Roger Corman did a better thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, but, I did have a Hulk. I did not have thing. Yeah. But going back to Mackie, it's... Uh, I would probably say something similar just because, I mean, you can't just halfway do it. No. 
if you are a, a main car- a major character of the MCU, it, it's go big or go home. Right. I mean, you have got to be locked into it and basically be all in. Well, it, there there are times with his comments, I wonder just how much he's just being fed information or how much does he actually read the comics and understand what's going on? Because I know, I think it was Comic-Con last year, he was, when they announced the series, mm-hmm. now, it was talked about um, that he, he was happy that they're diversifying Captain America for the movies. Right. And, and I would just want to go, have you not been reading the comics to see this is the direction they've gone in the comics? Right. You know, I would say it's probably more a case of the former, that he is getting fed information. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody, I think it was uh, the guy who played the Punisher, yeah. Yeah. went into went into a comic book store and said, look, I, I what are your what is your required reading for the Punisher? Sure. Or uh, well, I want to say Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, he did the exact same thing. So you have some actors and actresses in the MCU that will do that, that will go out and do their homework. And I'm not saying that Mackie did absolutely none of it, but not everybody's going to go to that length. No, I mean, and plus uh, his. His Falcon was definitely more created for the MCU than it was true to. Oh, yeah. You know, and and, and that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. No. It's not a bad thing, but, you know, had he gone and did his homework based on the comic origin, you know, what would we what would we have gotten? Right. I like the MCU version of Falcon better than the comic version. Okay. There I've said it. Uh there is more of a hero's journey in the comic version. Right. But I like the fact that the MCU Falcon <sighs> He had more of an everyman quality, right? Yes, and that it, it was it was easier to relate certain parts of the MCU story arcs. Uh, he made them more relatable. Yes, he did because we saw we saw things through his lens, mm-hmm. right? And here you have, you know, you have uh, Tony Stark with Iron Man with a billion dollar suit of armor. That has all these bodacious weapons in it. You've got a super soldier who has strength and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. And here I am with just a jetpack. Right. But, you know, you charge in with your little jetpack anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and like on top of that was, and this was something else I liked too. They didn't make him, he wasn't ex, like, Ex special forces. No, he wasn't yeah. like a, a an ex ranger, ex green beret. He was a soldier. True. And on top of that, he he was what uh, part of a rescue team. You yeah. know, I mean, he was he wasn't special forces, but he was part of the test program for the Falcon for the Falcon pack. Right. Right. And so, I mean, he wasn't like Beetle Bailey fresh out of boot camp. No. He was he was competent. He wasn't elite, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. That was uh, it's, I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, 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 I have to wait until August and I have to admit I'm happy because that's a lot shorter wait than I expected it to be. So, you know. 
there's that. Right. See that. Well, unfortunately, instead of short, um, Moon Knight, the filming has been pushed back. Uh, it's supposed, supposed, <laughs> supposed to be one of 2021's most anticipated shows. Um, and uh, again, coming from comicbook.com, filming now is going to start in mid-November at Atlanta's Pinewood Studios, uh, okay. which is a decent jump from its original start date of August at Pinewood, UK. Uh, now, filming in Atlanta does make more sense, as Marvel is also shooting other Disney Plus shows like Loki, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier there as well. Okay, so a lot of the sets are in place. They can duplicate, re redress, etc. The, the the set pieces to, to change it up. Maybe they've got more infrastructure over there, and maybe the Georgia location, they could get a better deal out of it. Well... Pinewood Studios UK is also where Star Wars was filmed. A good chunk uh-huh. of Star Wars there at the L Street. Um, right. Who's to say there's not some stuff going in there to film? Yeah. Um, now, um, there's no word on why filming's been pushed back or moved. Uh, but, you know, let, let's be honest here. The previous date and location were never officially announced by the studio anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of questions regarding Moon Knight. We know that Bo DeMeo has, uh, from The Witcher has joined the writing team, which I'm excited for that. Witcher's been a great series. Mm-hmm. Um, as for what version of the character the show will adapt or what villains, uh, there's theories. Uh, but the only things we feel are for sure is that Mark Spector's personalities are going to play some sort of role and that Bushman and that Bushman will likely be involved in some form or fashion, even if it is to set up season two or a full movie. Nice. So, opinions on this being pushed back? I would be okay with them pushing it back if it means we're going to get a quality product. What Eric said. Okay. I, I, I am, look, I have waited forever and a day for fi- somebody finally to say, you know what? I don't care what people say. We're going to make a Moon Knight. Uh, we're going to make a Moon Knight movie show, whatever. And I don't care if people are going to try and call it a Batman knockoff because that's what everybody. That was the reason why we, they said we would never see Moon Knight anywhere because people are going to call it a Batman knockoff. So somebody said whatever to that. I am. I'm willing to wait. Uh you know, I rather I rather wait and have something. I have a quality product than to have something rushed and it be another. Um, uh, what was that show that was on? Uh, another uh, Inhumans. Yeah, I said it. Okay. okay. Well, to continue on with the Disney Plus theming. <laughs> these last few stories um, coming from MCU Exchange. Apparently, Marvel Studios is looking for an Allison Brie type actress to star in She-Hulk. OK, um, which I found interesting because Allison Brie is not that tall. No. So we're talking there could be a good chunk of CGI with this. 
Well, we said it in an earlier issue. You're going to have to pretty much do her as CGI anyway. Right. I mean, it's going to be pretty much the way they did Mark Ruffalo. Right. Right. You know, they can they can have the actress do the motion capture and definitely do the voice. And they can record like the facial expressions. They can do. I mean, they did a great job with Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Right. I wish that the, the Ruffalo Professor Hulk had been a little bit closer to the comic book version of Professor Hulk, but that's a, that's a petty squabble on my part, I admit. Well, unfortunately, they're not even calling him Professor Hulk. They're calling him Smart Hulk. It's like, no, you might as well just go ahead and make him, name him Professor Hulk. Right. So... Well, thanks to Daniel Richmond's verified Patreon page, news has released that Marvel is looking for a Allison Breed type to take on the, the role of Jennifer Walters in the new series. Uh, this is just rumor at the moment, but it does not explicitly mean that Allison Breed herself is being courted for the role yet. But at least we have a blueprint of the type of actress being considered. However, considering her own connections to Joe and Anthony Russo from their time working on Community, the casting wouldn't be a complete shock if it does come to fruition. Uh, she is currently starring in Netflix's Glow, which has a focus on female wrestling. We will have to wait and see if Marvel goes with her or another actress for the role. Uh, it's being pinned by Jessica Gao and set to begin shooting summer. Well, all I got to say is Glow is in its final season, so she would be available unless she's been tapped for another series. And if they're going to go her direction, or if this is going to film in, in summer, they better be making an announcement soon. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I could see her as... I, honestly... I am still not sold on Allison Brie. Wait a minute. I'm thinking of the same one. I'm thinking of Brie Larson. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. The Brie is not at room temperature. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so Jennifer, the, uh, so her, so Allison Brie as Jennifer Walters, I think I would be okay with. Um, the thing is, Depending on which She-Hulk they go with, it's not like Jennifer is going to be in her non-Hulk self for much anyway. I mean, her preference is to be She-Hulk. Right. You know, okay, I've I've looked up Allison Brie just to to make sure, to to disassociate herself with Brie Lawson in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see her. As Jennifer Walters, she kind of has the look of Jennifer. And again, you're go- She-Hulk is going to be primarily CGI anyway, right. right? I mean, you can't you can't convince me they're going to try otherwise. Mm-mm. So why not? Why not let her do the motion capture so they can record the facial expressions, so they could do the voice, and she can be She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And they just do it. They they just make her bigger and greener. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Why not? Uh, well, believe it or not, it is that time. If you're wondering, what time what is that? Here are the free bits ice- of the week. Oh, sorry. One of these days, I'm going to say free ice cream. I'm going to be right. Working mm-hmm. on a secret project, are we, gentlemen? We're uh, kind of hoping you were thirsty, but still plenty of time to save the day. Okay. Well, I've got the MU pick this week, so I'm going to start us off. Mm-hmm. My first pick of the week is Marvel 
number one. Uh, 30 years ago, Alex Ross had a vision of a new series showing the Marvel heroes in a way they've never been seen before. The first realization that the idea became the blockbuster Marvels. But today, Alex finally brings his brings about his original vision, an anthology of stories by unique, exceptional talents, many of whom are doing Marvel characters for the first time. Over the showcase, because uh, this is a, a six-issue mini, uh, you will see work by such artists as Adam Hughes, Bill Sinkowitz, uh, Daniel Brer. Brereton and more linked together by an overarching story by Alex and Steve Darnell. Uh, this inaugural issue kicks it all off with superstar artist Frank uh, Espinoza telling an unusual Spider-Man story and Steve Rude teaming up with Kurt Busiek for an adventure story framed by Alex and Steve uh, presenting a tale of dread of the dread dreamland nightmare and his threat to the entire Marvel Universe and possibly beyond. A once-in-a-lifetime assemblage of talent that you you won't want to miss a single page. Cool. So, uh, Eric, why don't you hit us up next? Okay. First up is uh, something that's going to sound like, OMG, Marvel is ripping off Hogwarts. It is Strange Academy number one by Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos. Ramos, excuse me. A sorcerer school for the Marvel Universe. The Marvel Universe has mysteriously changed in such an alarming way that Doctor Strange has done what he's avoided for decades. He's opened a school for young sorcerers. Better be Gryffindor! (laughs) Young people from around the world with aptitude in magic have been brought together in New Orleans to study the mystic arts under Strange, Brother Voodoo, the Ancient One, the Scarlet Witch, Magic, Hellstrom, and all your favorite Marvel magicians. But with all the magical threats, is it too late? Okay. I, I got I picked this simply because New Orleans and Brother Voodoo. That works. That works. Both fair reasons. So Kylan, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is a second printing actually as a, a Lance Attacks number one, brought to us by Greg Pack. Ario Anandito and Rock He Kim. War with the Water Kingdom. The armies of Atlantis face Atlas in a showdown destined to shake allegiances and break hearts. Amadeus Cho, Silk, Wave, Shang-Chi, and all the heroes of Atlas have bonded with each other after the challenges of War of the Realms. But when a terrible secret incurs the wrath of King Namor, Who's the true friend and who's the true enemy? A titanic tale of love and betrayal, heroes and monsters, gods and underdogs. Plus, the shocking return of Jimmy Woo and the original Agents of Atlas. Okay. Uh, My second pick of the week was written by Mighty Marvel Geeks guest Jed McKay. Uh, And this would be Spider-Verse number six. Uh, the finale of that mini. The conclusion of Spider-Verse is here. All the various threads of this this series, Miles Morales, Spider-Man Noir, uh, SP, Dr. Webslinger, Spider-Man, and all the other Spider-People and Spider-Sonas come together to re-spin the web of life and destiny. But the journey won't be easy, so don't be surprised if all the spiders don't make it through alive. Uh, So, Eric... 
My second pick of the week is a number two. It is Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown, number two of five, by Solomon Ahmed, Luke Ross, and Mahmoud Azrar. Thieves in the night. Conan has reached his treasure, only to find the black cat has beaten him to his prize. It's a cat-eat-cat world, as one thief has to outrace another on the trail of the mystical Atlantean artifact. Plus, Mephisto's sinister scheme could spell dire consequences for both. Okay. Let's be honest. Conan meets the Black Cat. That's the team-up I never knew I needed in my life until now. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, Kylan. Uh, My next pick is another number one. It is Spider-Man Noir number one, brought to us by Margaret Stahl, Juan Ferreira, and Dave Raposa. Murder and mayhem in the mighty Marvel manner. Dateline, 1939. As the specter of war looms on the horizon, Spider-Man Noir fights the good fight at home, stopping the injustices of a more friendly neighborhood variety. But after a dame is murdered at the Black Cat nightclub and all clues point overseas, Spidey will have no choice but to board the next flight to Europe and kick off a globe-trotting adventure through yesteryear of the Marvel Universe. Okay. Well, my final pick of the week is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 16, Morales's versus Monsters. Miles is taking on his biggest responsibility yet, babysitting his little sister, Billy Morales. But fussiness and feeding are the least of their problems. There's something underground. Meanwhile, Miles' uncle, Aaron, made a deal with a different kind of beast, Ultimatum, and he's about to get bit. Oof. Yep. Okay, my third and final pick of the week is another team-up I didn't know I needed in my life until just now. Savage Avengers number 11 by Jerry Duggan, Butch Gweiss, and Valerio Giannordano. The horrific secret of Kulan Goth's power is revealed. Steal yourself, true believers. This one is a bummer for the ages. Plus, Doctor Strange and Elektra did what last night? Okay. Hmm. I know. He's old enough to be her, what, great-grandfather or something? Yeah. Age is just a number, and in this case, the number is 11. And and ladies love, you know, Stephen Strange. Well, you know, it's the streaks of gray that make him look distinguished. That's true. And like Hart said, he's a magic man, Mama. I, I thought it was what people, other people were saying, that people are strange when you're the stranger. Do you think, do you think Electra I'll, I'll will cl- have strange things are happening to me? <laughs> oh, I'm going to shut up because, mm, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is another number one. I actually have a theme going. Uh, it is... 2020 Rescue, number one, uh, brought to us by Dana Schwartz, Jason Burroughs, and Paco Medina. Pepper Potts moved on from Tony Stark. She's getting her life together, finding her place in the world. Unfortunately, that's exactly when Tony Stark decides it's time for a full tilt, full-blown meltdown. And if Pepper can't suit up and save the day, Tony is toast. 
Okay. Well, my MU pick this week, I kind of went with the theme of Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. I went with Nightcrawler number one Ooh, from 1985. Good choice. And the name of the story, according to uh, Marvel Wiki or the Marvel database, is how much is that bogey in the window? <laughs> um, so uh, characters in this of course we have Nightcrawler then we've got supporting characters X-Men uh, with Nightcrawler Shadowcat, Lockheed, Magic, uh, with who is Ileana Rasputin, and the first appearance of Jin Jav's Sabri. Um, here's a little bit of trivia about this particular book, because the synopsis is not, it, it, they have a synopsis, not a solicit. Um, trivia, when David Cockrum conceptualized the idea of Nightcrawler, he first pitched it to DC Comics as a potential add-on to the member of Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> DC rejected the idea, and Crockham Crockham brought his character back to Marvel, where he was accepted into the ranks of the Uncanny X Men. Uh, he made his first appearance in Giant Size X Men number one. At one point, Nightcrawler remarks, "Maybe if I told everybody I fell into a rice picker when I was a child." No, it didn't work for Spock either. Uh, this is a reference to the character Spock for uh, from Star Trek. Uh, in the episode titled City on the Edge of Forever, Kirk and Spock traveled to 20th century Earth, wherein Kirk has to provide a reason to, as to why Spock has pointed ears. Pressed mm-hmm. for time, he quickly remarks that Spock had fallen into a rice picker as a child. Uh, Nightcrawler also makes reference to one of his favorite movie idols, Errol Flynn. Um, of course, Errol Flynn is, was famous for starring in pirate movies such as Captain Blood and Seahawk. Uh, and a Fermius Bandersnatch is a fictitious creature made popular by the Lewis Carroll poem Jabberwocky, um, found in the novel Through the Looking Glass. So I went with the original Nightcrawler series. Very good. Uh, which was a four-issue limited series uh-huh. back in 85. So... So I, I took Eric's concept and tried to tie it in. So um, before we go, any final thoughts? Oh, I Lockheed. thought it out. No. <laughs> Lockheed? <laughs> more Lockheed. Okay. You cannot have too much Lockheed. They really need to do more pet adventure stories. They really do. No, I just want more Lockheed. Oh, you're just a fan of Lockheed? I am a fan of Lockheed. And, and we'll, I'll call back to Excalibur where they were going like through all these different dimensions. Mm. There was one where there was a Lockheed who basically was like a more highly enlightened version of Conan the Barbarian. Oh, he was more anthropomorphic. I mean, he did not look, he looked like, well, he looked like a dragonborn from D&D. Okay. He was the, oh, let's see, what was it? The first selectman of the Drakic, Draconic Confederacy. Wow. Or something, something like that. But he was, I, I enjoyed that version of Lockheed right there. Huh? Well, I'm going to say as a final thought, I can't wait to chat with, uh, with the assistant editor from, um, the Pop Insider next week to, to talk all things Toy Fair and Marvel because mm. uh, we really haven't sat down and had a long discussion about collectibles and toys in a long time. No, we haven't. And uh, it's going to be long overdue and really fun to do. So I know we had a good time this week on Wookiee Radio, as you've probably heard before us. Uh, so next week will be our, our time on this show. So 
Uh, if no one else has any final thoughts, then there's only one thing left left to do. The clean slate protocol, sir? Uh, no. How about uh, time to wrap it up? All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. I am one of the most powerful computing systems on the planet, and this is how we are spending our time together?